Welcome back to Parsha Panorama. This week's Parsha is Parsha's Vayechi. We are wrapping up Sefer Bereshis. Now, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the end of Bereshis because we are now looking not just at a single Parsha, but we are looking at the end of a book. This is the end of Bereshis, the end of part one of the Torah. And therefore, just as we always do, we look at the Parsha from the panoramic view at the Parsha itself, but also at the Parsha as it exists on the map of the Torah. But we also have to have in mind that this is now the end of an era. And that's going to become very apparent when we transition over to Sefer and Parsha Shmos. But all that said, we are now looking at at the end of Bereshis. And that means we have to consider what Vayechi is, not just as its own Parsha, um, and not just what it is um, in the, the larger map of the Torah, but what it is as an end of a book. Now, as an end of a book, it's very simple. It, um, the, the Parsha is filled with goodbyes of sorts. Yaakov has meetings with his children, and he blesses them before he passes on, which has been the custom of the Avos to do. Um, at least we find we found that with Yitzchak blessing um, Esav and Yaakov, or at least to his attempt to bless. And the truth is, we didn't find that with um, Avraham. What, or the, um, it's not so clear what, what what was the blessing that Avraham gave Yitzchak before he passed away. But there's there's a lot of discussion around there, which we're not going to focus on now. But what I will say is that the the questions that we have to focus on are questions that might not be obvious unless you were actually taking a really close look at the Parsha to understand what exactly is happening in the Parsha. Now, again, the basic gist of Ayachi is what we just said. It's the end of the book. We have Yaakov Avinu's death. But it's not just Yaakov Avinu's death. It's interesting that we also find the death of Yosef. The Parsha actually ends with Yosef's um, body being placed in in an aron, in a casket in Mitzrayim, and that's how the... Book of Bereshis closes out, so that's that's just interesting because the parsha revolves around Yaakov, but actually closes with the end of Yosef, which you might say that this speaks to the relationship between Yaakov and Yosef, something that we spoke about in Parshas Vayeshev. That is in a very um, intimate sense, Yosef is the Toldos Yaakov, and we're going to see that that's that's very true from and, and, and evident from what we find in Vayechi. Now, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you the specific components of the parsha, and then we will raise some of the questions. So, the um, so the, the the components of the parsha I have as six components. Okay, so number one is what I titled Yaakov's first meeting with Yosef. And this, the Chumash tells us, is when Yaakov's death nears, and this is when Yaakov Avinu tells Yosef, do not bury me in Mitzrayim. Section two is actually Yaakov's second meeting with Yosef. Believe it or not, we, you know, we might think of these as one meeting. There are actually two different meetings. If you look really closely... And if you're just paying attention to the simple translation of the words in the Chumash, there was a second meeting, an entirely second meeting between Yaakov and Yosef. This, the Chumash prefaces with the fact that Yaakov got sick. Now that's a question in its own right. Section 1, the Chumash tells us that Vayikravu Yomov, that his days were coming close to his death. Section 2, we have a report that Yaakov is sick. 
what happens in this second meeting. So Yaakov essentially, um, he, he tells him that um, Ephraim and Menashe are, are like mine, they're, right, they're like Reuben and Shimon. He talks about how Rachel Emenu, um the conditions under which she passed away. And ultimately we get the blessing of Yosef um, with, with Menashe and Ephraim, the blessing of Hamalach Goel. Famous blessing. Section 3, Yaakov calls everybody. We have the Birchas Yaakov, where Yaakov blesses all of his kids, um, including another bracha for Yosef. Fine. Section 4, Yaakov Inu actually dies, and we have a whole um, to-do when it comes to his burial and his mourning period. We hear about the nations that, that came to mourn Yaakov Avinu. So um, Yaakov's um, death was a, a very big thing. Yosef got the okay to bury Yaakov because Yosef had sworn to Yaakov that he would not bury him in Mitzrayim, so he's going to bury him in Haron. And then section 5, we have an exchange between Yosef and his brothers, where the, the brothers, they bend the truth, and they say that, you know, a father told us uh, um, to tell you, that, to command you not to harbor any ill will or take revenge on us, that you should forgive us for the awful thing that we had done to you. Now, this in its own right is very, it's a very strange part of the Chumash, because it seems that you know, they, they, they might have been able to say, hey, could you just forgive us? But they were concerned that Yosef's demeanor um, against them, uh, toward them had changed. And Rashi tells us that, that Yaakov never suspected um, that Yosef would harbor any ill will. The question is, why, why did Yaakov suspect that? Is it because um, Yaakov didn't... Is it because Yaakov thought that Yosef was just so righteous and that he would never do such a thing to not forgive his brothers? Or maybe some say that Yaakov never even knew what happened. And that's why Yaakov wasn't Nechshad Yosef. He wasn't Choshed. He, um, um, he, he wasn't suspecting Yosef of, of not wanting to forgive his brothers. And this actually seems to be a um, um, possible machlokas in, in a lot of the Rishonim. Um, if you, uh, the, the ones who weigh in, so the, the Ramban weighs in, the Tur weighs in. Kliyakar has something to say about this. I think there's Rabbeinu B'chai who says something about this. The question is, did Yaakov ever find out? what had happened to Yosef, how Yosef ended up where he did. So that's true. This is not immediately so clear. So that's, um, that, that's something to think about. So the brothers at least say um, that you should forgive us. Yosef, um, he cries. And, you know, it could be that, um, you know, there, there are some of Farshan, I believe the Orachim says that Yosef not only completely forgave the brothers, but the, the brothers were completely not even liable, you know, in, um, in the realm of... Of machshava sachet, because since Hashem was machshavit latov, um, so the Archaim has this, has such an approach that they were completely absolved. I know the Meirabi of Yonas and Sachs has this written out in one of his Svarim on Brachus, obviously the one on Parshas Vayechi. Now, this um, this this leads to a whole new slew of questions of you know where was there a punishment? So the Asar Hugi Malchus were they able to get out of that punishment? It sounds like not. It sounds like there was a certain level of liability that was maintained throughout because of their deed. But anyway, that's what happens. That's section five. Then section six, we have Yosef's death and Yosef's burial. Very interestingly, just like Yaakov, Yosef passes away before his older brothers do. And um, and Chazal um, attribute this to the fact that either they, that Yosef was a ruler over his brothers and that, that's something that usually leads to dying earlier, apparently, or the fact that Yosef lost years from his life because he allowed his brothers to call Yaakov Avinu his servant when he was putting on the show as the viceroy, and so he lost um, he, he he lost years of his life 
from that disgrace to Yaakov Avinu. But either way, Yosef says, you guys are going to eventually leave Mitzrayim. And just like just like Yaakov Avinu made Yosef swear, so Yosef makes his brothers swear, at least that there'll be a family um, Kabbalah, family uh, trust that whoever gets out of Mitzrayim is going to take his bones. Now, Chazal also tells us that all the other brothers ended up getting their bones taken out too. But at least um, when it came to Yosef, there was a, there was a family pact that, that Yosef, um, this, is what, this is the one thing that Yosef is asking from his brothers, that they make sure his bones come out. And we know that that happens in Barsha's B'Shalach. Now, here's, here's the question that we really need to get to. Um, the big question is, why, um, why does Yaakov Avinu, at least this was the big question that stuck out to me, why does Yaakov Avinu have these two meetings with Yosef? It's very strange. And I'm going to be honest, when it comes to um, this parsha, which you might um, you know, dismiss and look by it and say, oh, you know, like it's just Yaakov Avinu saying goodbye to everybody. There's not so much to the parsha. So, first thing is that that's that 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 is wrong. There's a, there's a lot that's mysterious about Vayechi, and you have to look. Um, you know, you don't have to look that closely, but you have, but you have to recognize the the gravity of Parshas Vayechi. All the information when it comes to the Birchas Yaakov, Yaakov blessing each and every one of his sons with fate that's going to span generations. That apparently is all relevant. Even you know, um, it's, it's all relevant for even the times of Mashiach, because um, the, the Chumash does say that Yaakov speaks to them to tell them about about Achar Siyamim, what's going to happen at the end of days. So that's something that we can't we can't mistake. But what I'll say is, um, I had some observations that I just made today, and I will say that I'm gonna pose some questions that I might not even have full answers to. And so it will be food for thought, and you can always reach out to me if you have any um, suggestions. Um, you could, and again, reaching out means either, you know, if you already have my number, so you can do that. But um, for the world at large, you can reach out at the database, B-E-I-S, at gmail.com, where you can address me for about anything, really. Okay, so... There, there, there are there are some there there are some things that are real. There, there are brain teasers in our parsha. So I'll give you an example of one brain teaser. In the past, and um, I believe um, I spoke about this in one of the real talk Torahs with my brother when we were talking about the Misa of Ruven and Bilha, which I don't really want to give so much attention to now, though um, it cer- certainly has relevance to Parshas Vayechi. But the fact that the Chumash um, switches off every now and then between calling Yaakov Avinu by his original name Yaakov and by his additional name um, Israel. So, um, one thing that we've mentioned in the name of many Mefarshim, um, just to name a couple, and it's Siv, says something like this, the, the Tzaf Naspanech says something like this, that whenever you find the name Yaakov, it's just talking about plain physical Yaakov. And whenever you find the name Israel, that's always talking about the larger spiritual destiny of Klal Yisrael. So even if it's happening in a narrative, the Chumash is telling us something in a spiritual sense. Now, all this is true. The Chumash plays a ton of mind games on us in Parshas Vayechi. So what do I mean? If you just turn the pages of Vayechi and start reading the Pesukim, it switches off so often that your, you know, your head will spin. Pasuk begins by Hi Yaakov, Baritz Mitzrayim. Tells us his age, and this is by Hi Yemei Yaakov Shnechayov. And again, and it tells us um, um, that, that Yaakov lived Mitzrayim. Tells us how old he was. Next pasuk, Vayikru Yemei Yisrael Alamos. Yisrael is about to die. Okay, um, this is where Yaakov has his first meeting with Yosef. Fine. The entire, the entire, this entire um, first meeting, his name is Yisrael. 
Okay, fine, after. This is where the second meeting is taking place. So this is, by the way, so this, I'm just calling this out now. You see it's two meetings. The first one, Yaakov calls Yosef. Yaakov says to Yosef, I need you not to bury me in Mitzrayim. Okay, that, that's the first part. In the second meeting, so it says, your, um, your father is sick. Vayagid liyakov. It was told to Yaakov that Yosef had come to visit him. Same pasuk. Vayischazik Yisrael vayeshev alamita. And so once Yosef and his sons came in, so Yisrael strengthens himself. Next pasuk. Vayomer Yaakov al Yosef. Okay. And after Yisrael is done strengthening himself, Yaakov says to Yosef, right? So then Yaakov tells him about how your children I'm taking as my own, and they'll be like Reuven and Shimon. Fine, he says, oh, by the way, you know, when, when, I, uh, when I was coming back to, um, from Padan Aram, that's when Rachel Imenu died on me, Mesa Allah Rachel, which we'll come back to, and, and, and therefore, um, you know, and, 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 and it's honestly very not clear why Yaakov Avinu mentions Rachel's death. Rashi has an answer, we're going to raise a problem with it. But uh, that, that's something to think about. So then he says, then the, then the, the narrator comes back, Vayar Yisrael is B'nai Yosef. Yisrael sees the children of Yosef. Okay, yeah, he asks who they are. Yeah, um, Yosef identifies them. The Ene Yisrael, the eyes of Yisrael are getting are, are weak from their age. Vayomer Yisrael, Yosef. So we have a lot of Yisrael now. So that this is all spiritual essence of Kla Yisrael. Maybe this might show you that the, the bracha of Hamalach Goel is um, not just uh, um, you know for Ephraim and Menashe, but it's for all of Kla Yisrael. Right, so it says that they were positioned before Yisrael. Vayishlach Yisrael, Simino Yisrael sends forth his hands. We know the famous crisscross arms. Yosef of um, Tzadik is concerned, but uh, Yaakovina says, "No, I know what I'm doing." Right, very. You know, it's interesting that um, we we could see what Yosef is concerned about. Naturally, Yosef says, "Are you about to choose someone who's not the firstborn and make him the firstborn?" Like Dad, have, you, have we seen this before? And the answer is yes, we have. But apparently, um, Yaakov is is no is not even concerned. Maybe because um, ya- Yosef's sons have demonstratively overcome jealousy and boastfulness and Ayin Hara, which we spoke about in Real Talk Torah this week. Let's go back and listen to that about Ayin Hara. But anyway. We so in this story we have a lot of Israel. So why do I call all of these out? The reason I and, and oh one second just after that story of of blessing Yosef, uh, blessing Yosef's children then Vayikra Yaakov Albanov. Now Yaakov calls out to all of his sons. He says, "Gather around, everyone, um, and I'm going to tell you about everything." So um, it seems that Yaakov's blessing of Ephraim and Menashe might come from a spiritual standpoint. Of this is the destiny of Israel. But then it comes back to Yaakov, and you know, just like you know, when said in Parshas Vayishlach that Yaakov's children were twelve, even Reuven, that may, that may be indicating that Reuven didn't even engage in the physical act that the Chumash seems to uh, to ascribe to him. So now Yaakov is calling out to his entire family. So this is Yaakov's physical family. Okay, so now again, I I point this out so you just so you recognize that there's so much beneath the surface here. That it's not, you know, you can look at a simple story, but things like this constant flickering between Yaakov and Yisrael, which might tell us about something about how there is a lot of physical world, real life world, and then spiritual world, or the real real life, um, there's an interplay. There's a, there's this flickering, almost like a candle, Yaakov and Yisrael, that on the one hand, there's the physical Yaakov, and yet there's the spiritual Yisrael that's, that's kind of shining through. It's shining through because eventually physical Yaakov is not going to be alive anymore. You know, even though the Chumash says Yaakov Inu Lomes, or really the Gemara says it based on Yaakov, a Pasuk in our Parsha, which is a separate discussion, not for now. But 
um, be that as it may, physical Yaakov is about to go is about to fade to the back, and now we're going to look at the entire fate of Klal Yisrael as a whole. This I already introduced a little bit in Parshas Vayigash that we are now segueing away from Klal Yisrael as just a family, right? The Yaakov Avinu's children, and we are moving into the actual Klal Yisrael as a nation, as Am Yisrael. That's going to take full uh, form in Parsha Shmos. But as we see the flickering between Yaakov and Yisrael, that's something to think about. Now, the big question. So, as I mentioned, that there might be some uh, more questions than answers. So, one question that I do have a couple of answers to is why exactly Yaakov has these two different meetings with Yosef. The reason why these two different meetings is very confusing is because Rashi you know, you should say that Rashi conflated the two. I don't think Rashi actually conflated the two, but it looks like he conflates the two because there's an obvious problem. What am I talking about? So the two meetings are as follows. One meeting, Yaakov says, this is the one that Yaakov introduces on his own. Yaakov, um, his days are coming close to dying. Now, what does this mean? Is Yaakov sick? Apparently not yet because he doesn't get sick till the second meeting. So in this first meeting, when Yaakov is not sick, it says that his days are coming close to dying. This means that, that Yaakov must have had some intuition that, this was that, his, that his death was nearing, and he needed to speak to Yosef even before he got sick. And in this first meeting, Yaakov says, I need you to not bury me in Mitzrayim. Now, one question that I'll throw out right now, Yaakov, uh, Yaakov seems to send almost mixed messages when he asks Yosef not to bury him in Mitzrayim. Because he prefaces, he prefaces with, If I have found favor in your eyes. So, meaning sounding like Yaakov is saying, if you approve of this request I'm going to make of you. Like, it's strange that Yaakov is not commanding Yosef. He says, if I, you know, if I have found approval in your eyes that you can do this thing for me, then I ask you, now, meaning he wants him to swear to something. Now, maybe the chesed that he's asking for, because look what he says. He says, So Rashi famously says, chesed v'emes, right? the, the, the chesed shel emes, um, that, that you deal properly with the deceased because they can't pay you back after that. So maybe that is in part what's uh you know what Yaakov is is asking for but it sounds very strange that on the one hand Yaakov is asking him do this favor for me like it's a chesed it's a chesed and an ms it's it's a really nice thing you can do for me you know if if i found favor very strange that the father's not commanding the son but he's asking the son for a favor and the chain literally means favor matasi chain beinacha so he's asking for favor and a favor and then, yeah, he says, and please swear to me, right? He says, don't bury me in Mitzrayim. I want to be buried with my fathers. And Yosef says, of course. Um, then Yaakov says, yes, but please swear to me, Shavali. And then he swears. And that's the end of that, of that story, meeting over. Yosef goes home. We have no indication that Ephraim and Menashe are at that first meeting. Okay, so we have, this, um, we have this first meeting, and that's it. All of a sudden, Yaakov gets sick. Right, so Yaakov had some intuition that he needed to speak to Yosef um, at the time that his, you know, he apparently sensed that he was going to be dying soon. 
And yet, now Yaakov Avinu gets sick. And once Yaakov Avinu gets sick, and the major says that Yaakov Avinu requested a full, full warning that he's about to die from Akadosh Baruch Hu. He says, if I, um, he says, Hashem, make me sick before I die. I should, I should know this way I can bless my children. And that's ultimately what Yaakov does. But he has a first meeting, um, really, it's a, it's a, he, um, before getting his entire family, he, he, Yisrael meets with Yosef and Yosef's kids. Interestingly, the, um, Rashi tells us why Yosef brings his kids to this meeting. He says he wants them to be blessed before uh, before Yaakov dies. Now that's interesting because well, had like since when does Yosef know that Yaakov's going to bless his kids? It's, it hasn't been the minhug for the grandfather to bless the children. Why, in fact, is Yaakov blessing Ephraim and Manasseh? We don't. We will not be finding that Yaakov will be blessing all of the grandkids that he that he got from all of his other kids. Binyamin had ten children. Is Yaakov going to bless all of them too? So the Alshech actually says something to this effect that all of the other grandkids get blessed through their fathers. Whatever father, whatever blessings their fathers would get later, so that would go to them. So why are Ephraim and Menashe different? So that's obviously one of the things that emerges from this parsha. Apparently uh, one of the chidushim is that Yaakov Avinu, which he tells Yosef in meeting number two, right, which has nothing to do with um, where Yaakov is going to be buried, but in meeting number two, he says, Ephraim and Menashe are my kids now, and therefore um, I'm going to bless them in a way that um, I would bless any of my other kids. That explains why Ephraim and Menashe um, get blessed where other grandkids are not. What we have not fully explained yet is why, in fact, Yaakov is taking these two kids to be his own. Like, where's, where, where's that coming from? Also, um, the question that I don't really have an answer to is how did Yosef know that he was going to get this? How did Yosef know that Yaakov was going to bless his two kids? Because right? Rashi seems to be of the understanding that Yosef knew full well, or at least was planning full well, that his kids would get blessed by Yaakov. Maybe you could say, I'm thinking too hard about this, that listen, you know, what's wrong with getting a blessing from your grandfather? Since Yosef was the one who knew that the father was sick, and maybe, maybe no one else knew, so Yosef said, hey, I'm going to get a special blessing for my kids, and just as simple as that. Um, the reason why it is strange is that, again, we haven't really seen a precedent for this. So I don't know how Yosef knew that his sons were going to get a blessing, because it seems that this is the first time that Yaakov actually tells Yosef, oh, by the way, you know, the um, two kids, your two kids are going to be blessed um, like Reuven and Shimon. They'll, they'll be, oh, I'm going to take them for my own. So this is that, that's the Chiddush of this second meeting, uh, unless Yaakov is just reiterating something that Yosef knew already, but we have no evidence to that. So what we have to explain is why Ephraim and Menashe, in fact, are different. Um, and what I don't quite have an answer for is how Yosef knew to bring them for this meeting. Um, you could suggest that Yosef was just bringing them in general to say goodbye to the grandfather. But Rashi says that they went there with the intention of being blessed. So... That, 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 to me, right now is a mystery. But here's, here's the, the big question. Right, so we said that there are two meetings, two meetings that Yaakov has with Yosef. One where Ephraim and Menashe are there, one where they are not. One meeting Yaakov announced on his own. Yaakov said, I want, I, you know, you're going to, um, um, I need you not to do me a chesed, don't bury me in Mitzrayim. And then he says, oh, um, swear to it. So that's a, it's a little bit strange. So what, what, what is Yaakov asking of Yosef? Is he asking him to do a chesed or is he asking him to swear? Maybe the chesed part is the fact that he wants Yosef to swear to it. Now, one of the reasons why Yaakov wants Yosef to swear um, that emerges from the Mepharshim, I believe Rashi says this, that Yosef is the man with the power, that it might be very difficult for Yosef to get the okay 
to bury him in Eretz Yisrael, and Yaakov very much well, wants to be there, and Yosef is the only one who has the authority, but maybe Paro um, logistically won't allow it to be, so Yaakov wants to bind Yosef legally by this, uh, by, by this um, order. But Yaakov starts off, which, which is strange, is he asks it to be a chesed. Like, you know, you might not want to do this, maybe because it's inconvenient, maybe because it's difficult. And when I say inconvenient, not, you know, it's a schlep, but more like, you know, um, um, politically it'll be very difficult for, for Yosef to get the okay for this. Yaakov says, um, I, I, you know, I would really like you to pledge to, to do this, which Yosef does. Okay, but... In the second meeting, Yaakovina says Ephraim and Menashe are going to be like mine, they're like my kids. What is strange is when Yaakov throws in that Vani Alai By the way, you know, um, in other in other in other news, Yaakov says, um, when I came from Padanaram, Rachel Imenu, so she your your mother, she died on me. And which it's strange because it's a non sequitur. Because what's going to happen after this statement? We don't know why Yaakov is making this statement. And the, uh, the, the, the very next line, Yaakov says, Oh yeah, Nephraim and Menashe, yeah, he, he reminds us that they're, that they're the kids. He's, and he wants to bless them. So, okay. So objection relevance. You know, why, why, why are we talking about Rachel Aminu's death? Rashi has a famous answer. He says, okay, I know that I'm bothering you, um, burdening you to make sure that my body gets to to Hebron and the Maris Machpela in Eretz Yisrael. Meanwhile, I didn't do the same for your mother. I let her, um, you know, I, I let her be buried on the road on the way to Beis Lechem. So, well, I'm not doing that for you, but realize I had a good reason for it. Right? There's the Midrash there that when Nebuzaradan is going to send all of the, um, the, the Shvatim into exile to leave um, for the Babylonian exile. So Rachel Mavakal Boneha, that Rachel Imenu is going to cry for all of her children and it's going to be in her schus, so she's going to be there for her kids. Now, it's, it's, it's a nice answer, and Rashi obviously is anchored in a Midrash over here, but there's a big flaw, not necessarily in the Midrash, but in, in the juxtaposition, right? Um, Yaakov is, is understanding that I, yeah, Yaakov is explaining that, you know, I burdened you to, 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 to bury me in Eretz Yisrael, and I didn't do the same for Rachel Imenu. What's obviously wrong with this is this sentiment about Rachel Imenu's death does not belong in meeting number two. This belongs in meeting number one, right? Because that was when Yaakov was talking about his own burial. Yaakov should have said, I want you to bury me, not in Mitzrayim, but in Eretz Yisrael, and I know I didn't do the same for your mother. I had a good reason for doing that. That's not what happened. Right, Yaakov says, bury me, in Mitzrayim, bury me not in Mitzrayim, and Yosef swears, meeting over. Yosef leaves. Yaakov you know, stays where he is. Then Yaakov gets sick. Oh, Yosef decides, I better come in now. And Yosef brings his kids with him. And then Yaakov you know, says, oh yeah, your kids are going to be mine. By the way, Rachel Emenu died one, one time ago. And then, um, and then she was buried on the roadside. Okay, let me bless your kids now. You hear the problem. If uh, according um, so, it's still a non sequitur. It's still very strange. You could argue that Yaakov Avinu is saying, "Okay, you know, I had you sit on that promise you made to me not to bury me in Mitzrayim, and you probably were thinking how annoying it was that I didn't do the same for your mother. How upsetting, how insulting." And so Yaakov says, "Now that you had some time to think about it, I'm here to defend myself." But that still doesn't explain um, why that's connected to Ephraim and Menashe. So now, in a longer essay, which I, I have on this topic, 
I quote um, Rav Hirsch and, and the Orachayim, who both seem to reject um, this approach by Rashi. Now, they can't reject the Midrash, so you have to explain um, the Midrash, which could still be true, that Rachel Emenu belongs on the roadside to cry for her children. But Rav Hirsch and Orachayim have, have two similar approaches that address the connection. What's the connection between the burial, the death of Rachel Emenu, and this meeting, which is about Ephraim and Menashe? So... Um, for just for example, Orachayim Darshan's the words Mesa Alai Rachel, not just um, that she died on me like on the road, but Mesa Alai, Alai can mean because of me. And Orachayim quotes a Zohar, he quotes various Midrashim about how it might in, in some part be Yaakov's fault, the why and how Rachel died the way she did, and how she was buried the way she was. For example, for, um, there's a midrashim that talk about um, by, by failing to fulfill your pledge immediately, so a person's wife can be taken away from them. Obviously, if Rachel Imenu was uh, was pure and innocent and absolutely had nothing wrong, so she would have probably remained untouched. But there's also the fact that Yaakov unwittingly cursed her regarding the trophim back in Parshas Vayetze. So there, there there are different reasons, and the, I had a, um, I had an approach that that talked about how um, Yaakov might have um, subject his wife to some degree of ayin hara. That if you notice throughout the stories, we've spoken about this a little bit in the past, that Rachel Imenu seems to always be out of Yaakov's reach. Um, and, you know, there's, this, there, there's this conflict between, again, the two camps of Yaakov Avinu. So um, what, what, what you find, interestingly, is that um, you know, well, Yaakov prefers Rachel all the time, and, so, and more than once he's given Leah, whether it was the night that, um, that Yisachar was conceived, right, when it came to the trade with the Dudaim, the flowers from Ruvain. So it, also the first time, obviously, when the marriage actually happened, Yaakov wanted Rachel, he was given Leah. And we explained in the global map of Boratius many times how Yaakov is taking on two identities, they're the two camps, and you'll notice this um, I just noticed today, uh, uh, an interesting parallel. Yaakov asks Yosef once again, but in the, in the first meeting, do me a chesed and an emes. The last time that we heard Yaakov say these words was when he was literally on his way back into Eretz Yisrael for the first time that he le- had left. He was coming back in Parshas Vayishlach, and he says, Katonti mikol ha-chasadim mikol ha-emes. This he says to Hashem. The chesed and the emes. What was the chesed and emes? He says that, well, I left alone. When I left um, Eretz Yisrael, I was alone. I had nothing. I had no money. I, I, I had nothing. And now, I've now become two full camps of people. And that now Yaakov is speaking to Yosef, and he's, in a sense, on his way back into Eretz Yisrael. He's saying, I'm going to die, and then I want you to bring my body back. And he uses the lotion of chesed and emes. And that, that, that chesed and emes seems to be almost a connection to Yaakov's two camps, the Shnei Machanos. And this might begin to explain a little bit what, what, what Yaakov Avinu wants from Yosef, why this favor might be a little bit too much to ask, so to speak, and yet he wants Yosef to fulfill it anyway. The idea is Yaakov Avinu, and this might explain why there are actually two meetings, Yaakov has two meetings with Yosef, and I think these two meetings might actually speak to the two camps. Right? We, we keep on saying that Yaakov Avinu is 
going to be the family through which the entire, the, the entire world is going to be blessed. Hashem started from creation with the intention to give all the best and, and the, the greatest good to mankind. Generations have failed. Yeah, Hashem um, picked Avraham. That branched out uh, to eventually Yaakov and his family. They're the chosen family. They're the Bechor, B'ni Bechor Yisrael. Fine. But Yaakov is made up of more than one camp, it seems. Now, what, what, what happens here in these two camps? These two camps, the um, Yaakov's, um, basically two families, these two identities, the fragmentation of Yaakov that we've been speaking about for weeks on end. So now it's coming to its close. We're about to see, hopefully, the emerging of Machana Israel. The two camps, hopefully, in a certain sense, become one. They, there will be 12 tribes, perhaps 13 tribes, but there will be one Machana Israel. Now that comes with a cost. Or that comes with some sacrifices that need to be made. On the one hand, you know, we know that you, you'll, you'll recognize that when Ruvain lost the Bechorah in a certain sense, he maintained it in title, but he lost his Pishnayim, which is the double portion. He lost the kingship, which is supposed to come from him, and he lost the Kahuna. And we know that these things didn't all go to one person. Right? The Kahuna went to Shevet Levi. That wasn't even solidified till later. The kingship, we know, goes to Yehuda. And we know that Yosef is going to get a double portion. But the question is, why do things portion out that way? You know, for example, why doesn't Yosef get to be um, the king? I mean, he is a king now. He's a viceroy. And that's a little bit what I think Yaakov is telling Yosef to, to in a sense, give up on. Right? You'll notice that going back to meeting number two, Mesa Alai Rachel, Rachel Imenu, she died on me, and maybe because of me. So without getting into... The longer topic about Ayn Hara, which I had written about, but um, if you want, you can just reach out to me. I could send you that essay. Um, but in basic terms, Yaakov Avinu, we can say that, you know, there's some who say that Yaakov Avinu, other Ramban says this, that Yaakov Avinu could not be, he couldn't be married to both of his wives in Eretz Yisrael. Because Yaakov Avinu kept the Torah when he was in Eretz Yisrael, and therefore Rachel Imenu, um, um, one of his wives, couldn't, wouldn't make it into Eretz Yisrael. And Rachel Imenu, we know, died before Yaakov made it back in. So, in a sense, we could say that Yaakov's two camps, maybe one is a Gullus camp and one is an Eretz Yisrael camp. It seems that the Rachel Imenu camp is the camp of Gullus. In fact, Rachel Imenu is on the roadside for the sons who end up going into Gullus. And Yosef, where did Yosef thrive as king? Yosef thrived as king in Gaulus. And what's Yaakov Avinu making Yosef do? He's saying, Yosef, my body has to leave Gaulus. Ultimately, Yosef will one day ask his brothers for the same thing. But what cost does that come at? It comes at the cost of Yosef's own rulership. right? When Yosef is no longer in charge of Yosef, Yosef's reign is going to be forgotten. And Yosef was a tzaddik, and he was willing to forego this. But to recognize that Yaakov Inu is going to transition. He's going to go from Gullus, and he's going to go away from the turf where Yosef is most successful. And Yaakov is going to, and just like Yaakov had lost Rachel when he went into Eretz Yisrael, so he's not going to lose Yosef, but there's a certain schus that Yosef has now that he's not going to have later. When he does this chesed and emes, He's giving up his crown. And Yaakov Avinu is saying, this might be hard for you to do. Now, it could be this would, uh, was not necessarily the right time to mention um, Rachel Imenu um, at the first meeting, but at the second meeting, 
Yaakov Inu says what Yosef, he tells Yosef what Yosef still has. He says that Yosef, your, your children are mine. Now, what does, what does this have to do with Ephraim and Menashe? Sorry, that has everything to do with Ephraim and Menashe. What does that have to do with Rachel Emenu's death? So some of the Mepharshim say that because Rachel Emenu died in the conditions that she died in, which is a very unfortunate condition, and some of which we can ascribe to Yaakov, which is not really fair to her, but because of that, she was never given the opportunity to bear Yaakov more tribes. Now, we knew from Masur that there were only going to be 12, but why did she... Why, why couldn't Rachel Emenu get more of those? The reason, presumably, is because her, her, her womb was closed and Leah's womb was extra open by Akadosh Baruch Hu because Leah was, quote-unquote, the hated wife. Because this Ayin Hara, that, that, that Leah never got to fully experience her relationship with Yaakov, so she was granted more tribes. And because Rachel Emenu had all of the love, and because she was favored, that, that that came at the cost of now her she would have fewer tribes, and we know that that Rachel you know engaged in such a mysterious nefesh um, to to give Leah to Yaakov in marriage with giving her the signs, and that's why perhaps all of the children that go into Gullus are really Rachel Imenu's children. Rachel Mavakal Boneha, the majority of the children are not hers, but they are. They are hers because um, because um, she she's the reason that they all exist. Now, Yaakov is saying, this is going to be my tribute to Rachel Imenu. Because she died in the conditions under which she did, now I give her two more tribes, instead of just one, Ephraim and Menashe. And this, this is the second meeting. This is the meeting, um, you know, in, in, in this meeting, um, so we're going to see that when it comes to, you know, Eretz Yisrael, the kingship is not with Yosef, it's with Yehuda. And that's, that's important. Because this is what Yaakov Avinu is saying. He's saying that when the camps merge, when the Machana Yisrael becomes one, Yosef is not in charge. Yosef might get an extra portion, but Yosef is not the king. The king is going to be Yehuda. So the, the kingship of uh, the reign of Yosef is going to come to an end. But, so in, in meeting number one, that's essentially what Yaakov tells, um, tells Yosef. In meeting number two, Yaakov says, you still get an extra tribe. And that is because of what, you know, because of Yaakov's relationship with Rachel Imenu. And that's the relevance of those two events. But the reason why all of this is important on, in the grand scheme of things is that we are, again, we are segueing into Klal Yisrael as a nation. This is important because once there's a nation, there can still be tribes. That's not a problem. But there's nothing wrong with there being Shiftei Yisrael. But it can't be Shnei Machanos anymore. It's got to be one Machane. We are, we are, the, the two camps are becoming one. This is the unfinished business that's being tended to in Parshas Vayechi. Because right now, it, again, it, it is no longer the two camps of Yaakov Avinu. We see that there's a convergence between Yaakov and Yisrael. Right? Yaakov and Yisrael. There's the two Identities of Yaakov coming together, right? Yaakov, perhaps the identity that's associated with Esav, the identity that, um, um, that might be associated with one side of Yaakov, and then there's the Israel, And those two are converging. And when they converge, so again, we have these, Yaakov has two meetings with Yosef, one representing that convergence and one representing the schus that, that Yosef still has as an individual. And then what happens right after that? 
yeah, you know, it's not like Yaakov forgets all of the other kids, but no, Yaakov's entire family gathers around and everyone's going to get a blessing. And the reason why this is important is that there is no one, not a single one of Yaakov Avinu's children that's rejected from the family at this point. It's not like Yaakov and Esav or, or Yitzchak and Yishmael where one's getting kicked to the curb. What's happening here is that this is the entire family. It's one, it's one nation. It's Machana Yisrael. And that is how we go out of Parshas Vayechi, with this understanding that even where there might be tension, but because, like we said in last week's Parsha, um, that Yisrael, Yisrael, Ravim Zebazeh, they all have to now become one. And what we are about to see, again, in Parsha Shemos, is how, as a nation, they are going to live, and what that's going to mean for them. But this is what we find by the end of Parshas Vayechi and by the end of Sefer Bereshis, that as the book closes, the life of Yaakov Avinu and the life of, y- of Yosef, they come to a close and we have this, this, this new understanding that everyone has to see themselves as not just a tribe, but as a part of the larger Machane Israel that has to be one unified camp ultimately. And next week, when we open up Sefer Shmos, once again, we are going to see what materializes next. And what we'll have to understand from Shmos, one of the questions we'll have to tackle next week, is what Shmos is as a book separate from Bereshis. What does Shmos represent on the larger map of the Torah? And how this plays into that larger meta story. But again, here there's been a meta story that Yaakov, on the one hand, is asking Yosef for some favors. He's giving Yosef some extra blessings. But the meta story is what's happening to the Machana Yisrael. And that we see um, becoming a, a reality when Yaakov, um, um, he blesses all of his children as individuals. But then the story closes with the single nation and the single people of Klal Yisrael.